bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus, everyone. I'm Britta Wettling, Editor-in-Chief of Bits and Pretzels. Welcome back, you all, to the show. Today, I'm talking to one of the household names in the global investor community, Atomico co-founder Matthias Lungmann, who recently left the firm that he launched with Skype founder Niklas Zenström to kick off his own seed fund with Moonfire Ventures. In this podcast, the successful investor who has been involved with numerous assets or substantial transactions in companies, including the Berlin-based Sex Wunderkinder that was famously acquired by Microsoft for 200 million euros and who worked closely with several companies on their global expansion shares, what entrepreneurs and business models he's investing in right now with Moonfire, including his personal email address, you guys, so stay tuned. How to find an investor who is valuable to you beyond money and the best metric to figure out whether your startup is really a hit or not. And no, it's not the amount of funding I'm talking about. And not that we at Bits and Pretzels didn't kind of always knew that, but the experienced investor sees Europe on the verge of a new tech investment breakthrough that continues even now during the current pandemic, because today, more than ever, it really doesn't matter where you start a company as a founder. I believe we're seeing a death of geography. Uh, and so I think wherever you are, where, you know, and it, first of all, I think great companies come from anywhere. And, uh, and then today, wherever you are, you're probably going to be able to find financing if you think about it in the right way. So today, if you are based in a small town uh, outside of, of Munich, you know, you, you have just as much chance as somebody sitting in the center of, of, of San Francisco uh, in some ways. <laughs> So, Matthias, thank you so much for coming on the Bits and Pretzels podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. And it's really amazing what you've done with this podcast and so many wonderful guests. So I'm very proud to be here. Thank you very much. And obviously, a lot of things are going on in your life as an investor uh, as well. You obviously caught a lot of attention in the European startup world when news broke that you as a longtime partner of the European venture firm Atomica were leaving the firm uh, to raise your own seed fund called Moonfire Ventures after you worked there for 13 years. Uh, you started together, uh, Atomico together with Niklas Sandström, who is famous for having initiated at Skype. Why did you make that decision to leave? Look, I had 13 wonderful years at Atomico. Um, it was, it is a highlight of my career. Uh, it was so much fun building it up. Uh, we were pioneers in so many different ways. Uh, you know, one of the first founder-led funds in Europe. Uh, we also started the initiative of, of having a whole bunch of value-add sort of services around what we did. And so it, it's just, yeah, it was just so exciting. And, and for me, though, my heart has always been in the early stages. I love working at really being the first investor in, helping out an entrepreneur to really get going. And I wanted to go get back to that. So that was really exciting to me to be able to, yeah. to do that. So was it like a specific situation, a specific entrepreneur, a specific company that kind of inspired you? Or was it like kind of more like a natural evolution, uh, you know, in your, during your life, you know, on, on your path uh, as an investor? I think, you know, you always have to think about what you want to do for your next 10 years. And, and to me, I see that European seed is probably the most exciting part. I think it's overlooked and unloved, 
But I do believe that that's really where things happen. That's where things get going and how you can have the biggest impact on the market. And so I've seen what happened in the U.S. over the last seven to 10 years. We've had an explosion of seed uh, in the U.S. and pre-seed and so on, uh, creating fantastic firms with wonderful reputations. And I think it's time now for Europe to do the same. We have a few excellent firms here in Europe, but we need more. And we more, need more ambition on, the, on that level. And I think that's where a lot of the great performance in Europe is going to be. Absolutely. And obviously, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience who would love to get in touch actually with you and yeah. would love to learn more about what your target specifically is with Moonfire Ventures. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what areas you are focusing on, what kind of entrepreneurs you are looking for and, you know, what people have to bring uh, to the table to be an interesting target for you as an investor? No, wonderful. I would love to tell you about that. So, um, my email is Matthias at moonfire.com. It's pretty simple. So just send me an email. Uh, in terms of what we're looking at, there are four areas that we're focused on. One is fintech. Uh, the other is future of work. And then it's gaming and healthcare software tools. So I believe on, this, on the healthcare side, there's a whole bunch of software that needs to be built to help build the next generation of, of healthcare. Um, And, you know, I, I like to, like I said before, I'd like to get in early. So uh, to me, wanting to be, you know, the first investor in uh, is really exciting and, and something that I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, to be able to be there on, at their side at the most critical moment and help form it. Because, you know, a little bit of the name of Moonfire, it's all about thinking about the trajectory of that sort of um, rocket ship going up into space, right? And if you get that trajectory right, and you have the right structure, you know, you, you will be able to be much more successful. Coming to the situation, you know, like this very early, very raw situation uh, when entrepreneurs, you know, kick off their first path uh, towards building a company. What are like the most important questions or things to do for an entrepreneur in this very early stage from your perspective as an investor? I, I believe that entrepreneurs, when they're looking at their fundraising, need to look for a investor who really is able to help them into the next stage. So, you know, how are they going to be helpful to, to take them to the next level? Um, you know, what kind of what are they going to be able to bring to the table? And do you really have the same principles? Do you see the world in the same way? Uh, and are they going to be able to accelerate? The things that you're doing. So how are they going to take you to the next level of financing? How are they going to help you with the recruitment that you need probably immediately and also develop your, your vision and your strategy? Um, and then also ones that you feel are bringing the right structure. Right. You know, are they building the right type of financing for that stage of the business? Right. And what do you find specifically interesting in this situation of an entrepreneur? I mean, you started your own venture fund, right? No. Right now, you're a company builder yourself. What's like this, you know, excitement like of kicking off a company? And what do you find specifically interesting in this very early stage? Uh, if we step back a little bit, I'm really motivated and I get up every day thinking about, you know, um, how do we change the European ecosystem? How do we right. take advantage of all of the sort of technical knowledge that really Europe has and has had for decades and even hundreds of years? Right. Europe has really been the innovator 
um, you know, the industrial age really happened here and the digital age as well was formed here. Um, so modern science really comes from Europe. But I think something happened um, in uh, post-war where we became conservative and we became careful. And I think now we need to look forward and we have a place to be a leader in the global uh, ecosystem of, of tech. And um, I get really excited about helping those next generation of entrepreneurs because what we've seen, it's very clear that great entrepreneurs create the next generation of great entrepreneurs. So success breeds success. And, uh, and, and to me, I'm, I'm, I, I can't be more excited than looking at the achievements of those founders of what they've done and what they've been able to achieve and be able to change really many times the way things are done and make them better uh, and create a better society and provide more access and so on. Right. Coming to the positioning of your firm, obviously, uh, it's a highly competitive market, uh, the VC capital market, even your your old company, uh, Atomico, who was invested in your new venture uh, as, as its first LP, is kind of a competitor at the same time. Uh, how does Moonfire stand out from, from the crowd? Yeah, so I think, you know, just in general, Europe is not as competitive as other markets. It just isn't. You know, we have less capital than the US. And so that hyper competition that exists in the U.S. is not really here. Even though we think it is competitive, it's not as competitive. Um, and then if you add on top of that, if you look at seed, I think it's even less competitive. Again, I spoke about that earlier. This is why I find it really interesting. And this is where I believe it's my work to sort of help create and build that part of the value right. chain. And I do think mm -hmm. that they're very different. I don't think that they, these things are going to be more stratified, that the type of people who are investing in seed are going to be very different from people investing in A and B and, and growth. Um, uh, but, you know, you still... And to your point is, you know, you need to be differentiated and you need to be something unique. And and I think, you know, for us, you know, we want to be known as a firm that understands certain domains, that moves very quickly. I think speed is something that is very, you know, is, is a very powerful tool and, and something that people don't think enough about on the investment side. Um, and then the other thing that we are doing Uh, as well is is that we want to remain a small team. I think a lot of the seed funds are becoming big teams. We want to remain a small team that's focused and that are working together where we're sort of almost, uh, we have a lot of diversity, but we also want mm -hmm. a team with, with that kind of mind meld. And, and to me, to be able to do that, you also need to have software. So I think software is going to be table stakes in, in, in venture. And I think the transition that we're seeing now is something that's similar to what happened in the hedge fund industry in the 1980s and mm -hmm. how it's become algo trading. So I think it's going to be very, very, very different um, uh, going forward for, for venture where, you know, really your technology is going to be so important in terms of creating a productive, efficient and ultimately better performance. Right. That's interesting. Uh, you mentioned that something happened. I mean, Europe was at the front end of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Uh, there were like some companies that were pretty early in, uh, in, in terms of digital, but then something happened. Uh, what happened there? And why are we still talking about that right now? I think you're right. I mean, I think it's such a good question. And in some ways, I, you know, it almost feels like every conversation I have, it's, it's always about that. I, be right. Because it is a bit of a mind 
teaser, right? You scratch your head, like, why? Why? Europe has incredible universities. We actually produce more engineers than the U.S. does, and we have more engineers than the U.S. does. Um, so, you know, why aren't we producing these multi-hundred billion dollar companies? And to be honest, trillion dollar companies today, like like Apple is, right? And so um, I think really, you know, when I, I was involved, this is my third crash that I've been involved with. And I think we were slow coming out uh, you know, we didn't build our ecosystem until the late nineties and then the crash came and, 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 and it, it, it didn't just like reduce the amount of, um, tech firms out there. It obliterated it completely. I mean, it's a bit like you were, you know, when I was investing in, in the early 2000s, it was a bit like Mad Max driving around in <laughs> just looking at this scorched earth. There's nothing there. Hey. And, um, it, it's, um, you know, so I, I, that was really, really profound. And there was a general and deep belief by both journalists and also any people with wealth who had lost wealth, who were extremely negative, and they just saw tech was a pipe dream, and they didn't believe in it. And all it did was lose money. And I think that took a long time to overcome, despite the advances we were making uh, on the sort of, let's say, university level. And then, so we need, you need capital and you need people to take those chances. Um, and so we needed to get back to that. And I think that's only beginning to form now. And like I said, it takes time to build that virtuous cycle of, of great companies coming out of the next generation of, of, of uh, great companies. I mean, we at Bits and Pretzels, we obviously have a lot of young founders in our audience, people who are like early stage, pre-stage, seed stage. What's your advice how they should address the situation, like being in a fragmented, uh, underfunded market right now? Should they move to the US? Should they stay here? Uh, what's your perspective on that? Well, you know, there's there's lots of ways to look at this pandemic and I don't know how it's going to fall out, but... I believe we're seeing a death of geography. Uh, and so I think wherever you are, where, you know, and first of all, I think great companies come from anywhere. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then today, wherever you are, you're probably going to be able to find financing if you think about it in the right way. So today, if you are based in a small town uh, outside of, of Munich, you know, you, you have just as much chance as somebody sitting in the center of, of, of San Francisco uh, in some ways, right? So, I mean, many of my friends are just sitting, you know, having worked there for five years, are just sitting at home because one, you have COVID and second, you have the wildfire spreading around, which is like very unfortunate. So it's a very different situation, uh, you know, in Silicon Valley that shines a light on, on you know, different things. But I mean, obviously the situation is, is slightly uh, more positive in, in Europe, right? now um but when you compare it like it's a very rare situation <laughs> i agree there's loads of things to be uh grateful for here in europe yeah i think we have a very good social structure and uh, it's you know democratic and well-functioning um and i think that it's interesting you know we're seeing now a sort of uh balkanization of, of the world right and i think actually europe is you know strangely being a place that is is pretty free and open, you know, compared to other parts of the world at the moment. So you mean like the, China, for example? Yeah. Or even, you know, the U.S. is now limiting people coming into the U.S. and there's becoming other factors and, right. and they're being concerned about international players being in the U.S. And I think we're we're extremely open and, you know, we can question how, how good that policy is, but um, it is a new world and we have the opportunity to really take advantage of this. So 
to me, if I would say to any entrepreneur out there, it's just like, yeah, this is a good time. Go out there. And uh, there are there is more money today than there's ever been. I mean, it's a big difference today in 2020 than 2015 and, and 2010 and, and even before that. So there is more and more capital coming in. I mean, the last two years, 20, mil, 20 billion euros of capital was raised in Europe. And a lot of these VCs are sitting on that capital. Um, right. And then there's a growing, you know, we're seeing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm involved now in, in the seed space and there's other funds that are coming into the seed space. And then on top of that, you know, there, there is a growing list of angel investors that are sophisticated where they've done, you know, between 40 and, and 100 investments here in Europe, which again, didn't exist before. Right. So you would say, you know, with this, all these many investors sitting on their cash, it's now better than ever to get funding as, as a founder? Yes, I, that is absolutely true. That does not mean it's not hard because there still is a lot of new companies coming up. And so you still have to battle for it and you have to position yourself. But the, the, the knowledge, the competency, the availability of resources, of capital is better than it's been ever, ever before. And that, that, that keeps... It, and it keeps getting better, to be honest. On the other hand, I, I talked to one of the VCs, I can't really say the name publicly, but who, who told me, oh, it's it's much easier for us to, you know, talk to entrepreneurs and to reduce the amount of funding uh, because obviously many companies are in a very tense situation. Uh, is it, how, would, how do you look at this discussion, you know, talking about investors trying to squeeze uh, the lemon out of founders uh, and, you know, kind of the ethics around how you should, you know, work as an investor uh, right now in this tense situation? Yeah. I, first of all, my, I felt that between March and June, it was pretty, um, it was pretty slow. The market w was, w just didn't have the activity that we saw before. And I felt I was a little bit of a lone person speaking to, to companies since June within the companies I've been seeing. So it's only my poll, but I, it's been really intense. So there's a lot of investors and you've seen some of those later stage series A investors coming into the seed as well and making investments. Um, so I, I, I don't know if, 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 you know, people running with that strategy, whether that strategy is going to really work for them. Uh, I think right. people are getting more options. And then secondly, you know, I, I, I really don't believe in that strategy. I don't think it's a, um, a smart way of, of doing business. Uh, you have to be long-term here, I think. Uh, and you also have to do right for the company. So if you're messing up the cap table, by doing something like that, which, you know, take advantage of a situation, you know, that, that that's not great uh, because you're going to pay for it later on, you know, uh, because the founder is going to end up with not enough equity and then you're going to have to rebalance it and ultimately it's going to be coming out of your pot, you know, so. Right. Yeah. So, so, so talking about your situation specifically, I mean, when you announced that you would leave Atomico to start your own firm, it was before the pandemic hit. Uh, how was it starting a new venture fund during a global pandemic? I mean, you know, like I said, I, I seem to time it pretty perfectly. Uh, you know, I did it when I first got, got into venture. I did it as well when, when uh, uh, we, we uh, started Atomico and now I've done it again. So uh, I was kind of prepared. I kind of felt that we were at the end of a cycle. I did not expect a pandemic, but I knew that, that um, it was going to be tough and it always is tough. So yeah, you know, look, it's it's always it's always hard to build things. Um, sometimes though, you know, you you also get rid of a, a lot of the tourists. You know, you get the people who are really dedicated towards this, 
And so you have a better group of people that you're speaking to. So, you, you know, to me, um, building in a time of crisis, uh, despite, you know, like I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people suffering out there, but if you can, uh, build a company and do something, then, you know, it, it is still a very good time to do it. Before we go on, here's a brief message from us. You can meet Matthias and pitch your startup at our Bits and Pretzels Networking Week from September 27th to October 2nd. Our listeners get 10% off regular ticket prices. Just write to us at media at bitsandpretzels.com. Again, that's media at bitsandpretzels.com. Tickets are limited, so better hurry up. Coming to the second part of our podcast, I'm moving over now to our Bavarian beer garden bench to get to the more personal part of our podcast. And of course, due to COVID, this is a virtual beer garden bench. So you just have to imagine we are in a Bavarian beer garden uh, and we are having a couple of steins in front of us so we can toast each other. And what are we drinking to, Matthias? Well, we can say skål in Swedish. <laughs> Go on. But we're drinking, we're drinking to... You know, the future of Europe and we're drinking to the opportunities that we really have at hand here and and to the innovation that we have seen in our ecosystem. So cheers to cheers to Europe. Cheers, Matthias. If you could have a beer at Oktoberfest with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? To me, uh, the person that I would uh, think about is, is my godfather. So I had a I was very fortunate uh, every summer of my childhood I spent with my godfather. His kindness to me was uh, incredible. And his mentorship. I mean, really, he became somebody who was so formative. And he's passed away, but, you know, I still think about him almost on a weekly basis. Uh, so it was very strong, very strong. And we'd go camping and fishing and playing tennis together. So, um, uh, you know, he was somebody. And then I would also like to have my... my my lovely wife as well, because I think a lot of the decisions that I have made in, in my life has really been, uh, you know, supported and even pushed by her. So that's been a really important part of my own development, but also just, you know, she's been somebody who's just been so extraordinary uh, in my life. Yeah. So, so it's actually also something that I wanted to talk to you about this kind of family uh, situation, because when you work together for 13 years, as you did with Niklas, it's like being married to each other yeah. or like being family. Uh, I remember uh, while I was working in Silicon Valley, I talked to Ben Horowitz, who said something uh, about uh, that Mark Andreessen was his family. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, a relationship. You like them, but you're also glad You know, if you don't have to have them around all the time. How was that with Nicholas? I mean, Nicholas was a great inspiration to me. Uh, you know, we had so much fun together. Uh, and so we've really, um, you know, it's been a, it was just a wonderful relationship. Um, he's also, you know, he's still the godfather of, of, of um, one of my children. And, you know, we still speak very regularly. And, and you know, it's it's like you say, it's 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 a chapter in your life. Um, and now it's sort of time for for me to sort of look and think about how I'm going to be building it uh, uh, Moonfire and what that will look like. 
Right. And when you grew up, you mentioned as well, you grew up in different parts of the world and you've traveled more than most families. How did this shape your perspective uh, as an investor? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I was born in Washington, D.C. I then lived in Kenya for four years, back to Washington, D.C., then five years in India, back to Washington, D.C. And then wow. I lived in Rome for four years, went to France for a year, University at, uh, at McGill in Canada. Uh, lived a year in Scotland, and then I went to university in um, again in in Sweden. That was my sort of Swedish component for a year and a half, and then I've been here for 20 years. Wow! So it's been a lot of moving, particularly when I was a child. And when you live that life as a child too, when you're going to those sort of international school as a sort of UN child, um, you know, you're also having a lot of change in, in, in your class every year. So it was very, every year I sort of made new friends. Uh, and that was just normal for me. But I think I get it. I have a, I, I, I get really, I'm interested in people. And I think my godfather and this life made me interested in people and people's perspectives. Uh, and I'd like to look at, you know, when I, when I meet entrepreneurs, I like to understand how they think and how they look at the world. And even, you know, speaking to people in different parts of the world and understanding you know, how they, their perspectives. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it's like, wow, that's really, really different. I didn't come from that angle and I kind of understand what you're saying, but it's not really the way I'm looking at the world, but I kind of respect you for what you have and, and, and for what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I've always had friends and uh, acquaintances from people from all over the world and all kinds of religions and backgrounds and race and so on. So that, that, that has helped me to sort of be comfortable with change and, and enjoy change. Interesting. So you, your family worked at the UN uh, yeah. then? Yes, exactly. Yeah. What was like the situation growing up as, as a child in this environment? So did you, I don't know, meet a lot of politicians? Uh, talk about that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, no, it wasn't actually that glamorous. Um, okay. You know, in, in, in the sense that, you know, we would we'd be just living in, in different parts of the world. And, and um, you know, it. I, I think more you started to understand different parts of society um, and in some ways how fortunate one is, um, right. you know, and, and I've always known that I've been fortunate, you know, that I have been, you know, I, I, I picked the lucky ticket in, in a ways. And, and, you know, the, 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 the poverty in, uh, in India was unbelievable, but, you know, like living in Kenya where, At that time in the in the sort of late 70s where you could go on safaris and then you go to a wonderful beach and there were so many less people in that part of the world that we had another sense of freedom, you know, that that doesn't exist today. And then growing up in Rome where I, you know, like like unbelievable place with incredible history. And I just got really excited as, at, at that age of sort of looking at, you know, You, you, you'd find places in Rome where you'd have the ruins that came from Etruscans and then the Romans, and then it was the Renaissance and, oh, sorry, medieval and then Renaissance and so on. So it, it's just incredible. You can see those layers all in one place and it shows sort of the, the depth of, of, of our society here in Europe. Interesting. How do you look, I mean, having grown up in Washington, how do you look at the political situation in the US right now? I'm so America, again, it's because I was there so many times. And I, you know, I, I uh, America has always been a place of, of frontier and, and very mediocratic and, um, you know, bold, fast moving. 
Um, and, you know, it's just been an inspiration, really, for the rest of the world. And if you ask me, you know, this is a moment for, for the U.S. where it's kind of thinking about what is its position in the world. And, yeah. and the balance of power is changing, right? And I think that's a struggle yeah. as well for that region because China is becoming, you know, particularly now with COVID, you know, doing extremely well uh, on that basis. And, you know, I think, I think they have to refine, you know, what is it that we are and, and what, what is our place in this world and, and can we be comfortable with that? Yeah, I find it, I mean, talking to my friends in San Francisco or in New York, it's, you know, on, on a level so, so sad to see that, right? It's a lot of insecurity yeah. uh, that, you, that you feel when you talk to these people who are like basically sitting in their apartment. I have a friend who works at Google. He's not seen the office from the inside for a very long time. Uh, so it's really, I mean, you know, you know, just agreeing with you, sad. It's like really a situation where, where the U.S. has to find its, its new place, uh, you know, as, a, as one of the powers, of, one of the global powers right now. And nobody knows, you know, where this is going, specifically looking at what, what's happening next year uh, with the election. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation for sure. I would never ever underestimate the Americans, though. They're incredible, you know, the strength and, and their ability to, to sort of... Uh, hustle and, and, and sort things out. It's just, you know, it is, it is inspirational. So I would, I would never underestimate their capabilities there. Coming to our toolbox right now, yeah. uh, which is the part of our podcast uh, where our guests share three tips for entrepreneurs uh, with our listeners. So Matthias, what are your three tools? Number one. Always think about how this round will create optionality for you in your next round, both in terms of the investors you're bringing in, and but also the sort of structure of the deals. Number two. I think one has to be aware of chasing rainbows uh, in terms of trying to find that pot of gold. So to me, it's like, you know, success takes a lot of time. And when you're raising money at high valuations and large rounds, That is not success until users really love your product. Number three, you need to be mission driven. Um, and I think it's hard to say that, you know, you need to be mission driven because either you are or you're not in some ways. But but I also have a belief. I think everybody inside has a mission or has a belief and one should manifest that in one's company uh, in order to make you know the world a better place. And I think that inspires customers and empires employees and it also inspires all the partners that you have in your in your uh, in your company now we're coming to the last part of our podcast unfortunately because i really like talking to you it's it's really quite inspiring uh and it's actually our either or game uh and this is how it works i give you two words you have to choose one real quick and tell me why you've made that choice. Mm -hmm. And the first one is always bits or pretzels. Bits for sure. And bits because there's so much opportunity with bits. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd or extrovert? Ooh, uh, I would say extrovert probably, but you know, I'm a kind of weird, I would say I'm a kind of a <laughs> extrovert introvert. So I think sometimes that relationship is a little bit complex, but if you'd pick one of them, I'd probably be the extrovert. Spending or saving? I would be spending, spending. I, I there's nothing, you know, to me, uh, investing in the next sort of generation of entrepreneurs, there's, there's nothing more exciting in terms of making that happen. Tradition or transition? Transition for sure. Uh, we, I, I, you know, I, I love transitions and 
making change. And I think that's what this is all about, what we're doing. Chaos or order? Chaos for sure, because we live in chaos when you are trying to break things and do new things. Uh, the order is not there yet. So we live in chaos as we try to build a sort of new world. Conquer or compromise? Uh, I would say compromise because we need to be able to work together to find solutions. Um, and it's about partnerships in any which way or form when you're dealing and building a business. Numbers or ideas? Ideas. I think ideas beat numbers every day, um, but you need to get the numbers in the end, but you need to have a great idea to even get started. Matthias, thank you so much for coming on the Bits and Pretzels podcast today. It was a huge pleasure and also fun to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved it. All right, that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You find all episodes of this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Spread the word and please tell at least five friends about us. We would really appreciate it. Don't ever miss breaking startup news from Munich, Austria, and Switzerland again. And learn the latest about what top founders and VCs from the international innovation community we have in store for our event in the fall. Come and visit us at bitsandpretzels.com. Again, that's bitsandpretzels.com. Stay safe and see you next week.